You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome to the Future of Pharmacy Podcast, featuring the innovators transforming medication management. The Future of Pharmacy Podcast is brought to you by OmniCell. Now here's our host, Ken Perez. Welcome to the Future of Pharmacy Podcast. I'm Ken Perez, OmniCell Vice President of Healthcare Policy and Government Affairs, and I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining us today. Over the past 30 years, technology has changed virtually every aspect of our lives. But when it comes to health system pharmacies, far too many are operating in the past. Pharmacists still must perform many manual, repetitive tasks supported by rudimentary tools, leading to inefficient use of highly paid, highly educated, and highly skilled talent. Even when using automation informatics, 88% of pharmacy leaders believe their technology is not optimized. This leads to medication errors, more manual work, and less time available for value-added clinical activities. Today, we're gonna talk with two pharmacy leaders who have faced down those challenges and we'll learn what they are doing to stay ahead of the strategic medication management curve. On today's program are two experts who lead pharmacy services at major metropolitan hospitals. I'm joined by Matt Baldwin, System Pharmacy Director for Altman Health Foundation. Matt, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, it's great to be here, Ken. And we also have Dave Young, Network Director of Inpatient Pharmacy at Einstein Health Network. Dave, welcome to the program. Thanks, Ken. Looking forward to it. Let's get started, guys, by learning more about each of you and your pharmacy organizations. Matt, could you please provide our audience a brief overview of Altman Health and the pharmacy services that you provide? Yeah, so my name is Matt Baldwin. I'm the System Pharmacy Director for the Altman Health Foundation. Altman Health Foundation has about a, thousand, a little over 1,000 patient beds. We spread across our, our main hospital in, in uh, Canton, Altman. And then we also service a critical access hospital, Altman Orville. We also have uh, Altman Alliance Community Hospital that's part of our system. They're kind of new, they joined in 2018. We also service rehab services, compassionate care, and also hospice, as well as a long-term acute care hospital and physician practices throughout the network. Typically, our, our staff, we have around 120 FTEs all told throughout. Um, we also provide you know, retail services and fusion services total budget of about 80 million. And as far as volume of medications dispensed, typically on average, we're about 900 IV doses that go out a day and all told throughout our network, probably around 8,000 medications dispensed on a daily basis. Well, that's a significant enterprise you've got going there. Thank you. Dave, likewise, please share with us an overview of Einstein Health and the pharmacy services that you provide. Sure, I oversee uh, two campuses, uh, roughly 800 beds between the two. Uh, One is a level one trauma center in North Philadelphia. The other is an acute care and rehab combination hospital in uh, the northern suburbs of Philadelphia. Uh, We run right around the low to mid 80s from a government payer standpoint. And we have roughly between the two uh, campuses about 29,000 admissions per year. Um, We have 81 FTEs across both campuses and a total budget of about 35 million. By the end of this fiscal year, uh, the end of the month in June, we will have dispensed just over 5 million doses. 
and processed uh, right around 100 or 1.8 million medication orders. You're listening to the Future of Pharmacy podcast. I'm your host, Ken Perez, joined today by Dave Young of Einstein Health Network and Matt Baldwin of Altman Health. Now, Dave, how Einstein Health Network is impacting its community is impressive. Maybe what's even more impressive is that your pharmacy team has been able to achieve that community impact despite some persistent challenges. Talk about some of those challenges and the implications for your pharmacy and clinical teams. We've been dealing, as everyone else has, with drought shortages. Um, They've been particularly problematic for us for years, but uh, even more so during the pandemic. And really, we're an older campus and somewhat disjointed. Um, There was no plan for you know, adding on buildings. And so as that happened over the decades, uh, things don't actually line up really well for us. And that really precludes us from having some of the standard dispensing mechanisms that uh, a lot of pharmacies have. So for instance, space limitation on our nursing units really prevents us from fully utilizing uh, dispensing machines. And so we rely on a 24 hour cart fill process that we do with a robot. Uh, we don't have a pneumatic tube system, so basically all of our first doses, anything that comes outside of the car fill process, uh, we're manually delivering to a lot of different patient care areas that are not necessarily near our pharmacies um, or our satellites. So for us, you know, really our biggest daily struggle is getting doses to the patients in a, in a timely manner. We've also been dealing with considerable staffing shortages particularly on our technician workforce. Um, And that's been going on for some time. So can we routinely run somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 or more vacant per diem tech positions? And we currently have four full-time tech openings. So we're really struggling right now. And it puts a lot of pressure on our entire staff. Um, It also has a lot of cost implications for us, um, especially from an overtime standpoint. And really, you know, when we talk to our colleagues in the other Philadelphia area hospitals, um, it's something that everybody's dealing with. There's just not a lot of viable candidates out there for the positions that are open. So even with using our current robot uh, to do our car fill, there's still a lot uh, of need for someone to run the robot over multiple shifts. Uh, We've got staff devoted to packaging and checking robot doses. Uh, we've got someone devoted to keeping the robot inventory monitored and optimized. So being down all those technician positions, even with the, the automation that we currently have, uh, you know, really has been uh, an issue for us. We put our robot in about 20 years ago. Um, so the efficiency that was to be gained, we, we've gained a long time ago. And really, you know, there's not more that we can eke out of it. Um, so there's still a large amount of labor that's necessary to keep the robot running effectively. And we definitely struggle with that. Matt, are you experiencing similar challenges to Dave? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm definitely echoing the sentiments about technician labor. Here in Ohio, actually, the climate is that a few years ago, our technicians were um, required to be registered with the Ohio Board of Pharmacy, and that puts them into these three-tier categories. So they could be either a trainee, uh, they could be a registered pharmacy technician, or they could be a certified pharmacy technician. And there's different roles and responsibilities that they're able to complete depending on what type of registration they have. Um, So that makes it a little bit challenging. Um, We really had to rethink how we onboard those technicians, um, you know, and get them to that certified pharmacy technician criteria simply because we need them to be able to operate in the IV room. Um, Here recently, I I guess we're kind of blessed because throughout the pandemic, we actually 
did not have a lot of turnover. Um, but here, as the pandemic has kind of started to wind down, I guess, um, it seems like our turnover has increased. Um, obviously, we've looked at wage analysis and tried to implement some things there to see if that would help. But really, it's, it's getting hard to try to put a finger as to why we're having so many technician labor shortages. And I know that this isn't just an Ohio problem. I know it's everywhere. Um, I'm not sure if it's just recruitment into the space or if it's not getting to those those staff, you know, when they're in high school so they can be introduced to that job market. Um, you know, not as many programs around, not sure what that is. But really for us, for med management, you know, we, we've always had a lot of the automation that's not new for Altman. So we've always kind of had the robot, the carousels, all the uh, cabinets out on the units. So for us, again, it goes back to figuring out where your pain points are, what kind of optimization do you need to do? Unfortunately, these automation's great, but it still needs to be massaged and you need to, to tweak it on a regular basis. So obviously we have to devote people to doing that. Um, so we've had to go back and take a look at how do we use our electronic medical record to alert the nurses as to where your medications are. So they spend a lot less time you know, looking for those medications. How do we reduce those missing dose requests? And we've, we put forth a lot of effort. My team's done a really great job of going back to the cabinets and saying, okay, how many tubes do we send? What types of doses are we sending there? And then restructuring those, those AccuDose cabinets to make things more available for them on the units and working with the nursing leadership just on that education. So we do have nice messaging now in our electronic medical record where the nurse can go look and see that this medication is available in the machine on the unit um, and that's helped reduce also, we're putting a lot more medications in you know, just so they can pull that first dose at least uh, from the machine so it's not put not work that's put back onto the main pharmacy. So we get asked to be involved in a lot of things, opioid stewardship, antibiotic stewardship. Uh, we're working on continuing to decentralize, and obviously we don't want to have to pull our staff back to the inpatient pharmacy. So we want to continue to move those things forward, but it definitely is, is challenging. Well, thanks to both of you for sharing about the wide range of challenges that you face. You're listening to the Future of Pharmacy podcast. I'm your host, Ken Perez, joined today by Dave Young of Einstein Health Network and Matt Baldwin of Altman Health. So, Matt, let's talk about managing upward in the organization. A previous guest of this podcast said, leaders aren't measured by the challenges they have. We all have challenges. The true measure is how a leader responds to an adverse situation. How have you communicated to Altman's executive team the challenges pharmacy faces and the actions you plan to take? And what was their reaction to that sharing? Um, actually, so I took my role as a system director. It's been almost a year ago now. Prior to that, it's it's been a lot. It was a little more difficult to get that messaging up. But now I actually get to kind of sit in with that leadership team, the CEOs from the different hospitals, and I can kind of present those things to them. I think that really, as you head into the pandemic, you know, what were the big challenges? Obviously, remdesivir is one, having to show them why the budget's off because of this one drug. And that's that's hard to stomach, I think. <laughs> you know, how can it be one drug that's really doing this to us? But as you can show that, I think it's, it makes it a lot easier, easier for them to understand. And that helps out a little bit. We also took on, you know, infusion business here in the last couple of years. So really being able to hone in on those meds and show them the impact of how high dollar that these things are. Um, so that's definitely been challenging. And for us with the automation, I, you know, we're due for a refresh. Um, so obviously we'll be upgrading to new carousels and also the XR2 and, and then replacing the AccuDose cabinets with the XT. So having to present that, that, that obviously was, was not fun. It could, 
given the financial climate, but I think they see the value. So I was able to at least show and tell the story of, you know, where automation has, has gotten us to. Uh, we were definitely early adopters of this, but now it's kind of become the standard. So really it's just trying to tell the story and show the improvements that we've had and how we can continue to use that to maximize what we can do for the health system, especially with adding another uh, hospital and Altman Alliance. And that's definitely been beneficial for me, at least uh, to tell that story. And how about you, Dave? You have an example of this managing upward? Yeah, so I think uh, what Matt said certainly resonates for us as well. Um, I'm fortunate to be in a position where um, our VP and our senior leadership team here are very involved and very open to, to feedback and information. And really, you know, the approach that, that I've taken is to make sure that um, I'm keeping everybody in the loop and nothing is coming as a surprise. So, you know, that involves uh, sharing the data as much as possible. You know, these are what our pain points are and, and that's why we're experiencing what we're experiencing. Um, but also having the discussion around what solutions are out there and talking through, um, you know, what options we have and what it would take to do that. So, you know, our capital process is, uh, you know, Matt used the word painful and I'll steal that from him. Our capital process is, is pretty painful every year and we're not in a financial position where everybody can get um, even what they need, let alone what they want. And so, a lot of times it's just a, a persistence approach and making sure that you know, you're making the case consistently over time so that when the opportunity does present itself, um, it's not new information for anyone and the case has been made, it's just a matter of pulling the trigger on it. One of the things that we're doing with capital uh, for this fiscal year is putting in the XR2. Um, and so we're, you know, we're excited about, about being able to do that and what that means for us. I think for me, a lot of it was, a, you know, expounding upon this FTE that kind of comes as a service with it, increasing uptime, not requiring us to do as much maintenance with our FTEs. You know, we would have that resource that's devoted to it. Um, at least for me, I guess, telling the story, like I had said before, for us, I mean, we already have the automation. So really it's trying to explain, you know, what happens if we went backwards. And I think that was a huge sell that like, Here's what would happen if we had to undo this. Um, so I think we, we were pretty, we did a pretty good job, uh, me and my VP, of showing, you know, here's the story of where we've come. Here's what happens if we undo it, and here's how that affects our health system. You know, we've been building kind of towards this this vision of being a central hub and and how we supply all these, you know, these uh, facilities. What what would the cost impact be if we undid that? And I think showing that, you know, the FTEs that would be involved in that, you know, the that type of stuff, I think showing that whole story and that that's where the benefit came, you know, really is it not going backwards and allowing us to continue to service these patients, you know, patients don't really get to see all the fancy equipment and everything. So it's really just trying to help them understand that, like, you know, these are the errors that we affect. You may not see that directly in the budget, but here's, here's a lot of things we have an impact on. Yeah. So we, we did take a very similar approach to, to Matt. Um, for us, like I said, capital is, is a difficult process, but that doesn't mean that operations is any easier. Um, so in, in some cases, it's six on one hand, half a dozen on the other. In, in the case of the XR2 for us specifically, not having to have that large capital investment certainly made this more uh, feasible for us and probably sped up the timeline that it otherwise would have been on. 
Um, but we also went through that exercise of, okay, you know, our current robot is end of life. And so we're at a, a jumping off point. And if the next step is not the XR2, then this is what it looks like from a manual standpoint. So absorbing the XR2 on the operational budget wasn't an easy pill to swallow, but compared to what that would have looked like if we had gone back to a manual process, um, that made it a much easier sell. And then you've got the other aspects of accuracy and efficiency, uh, reducing med errors because you're dispensing a more accurate um, cart bill or first doses or what have you, um, also helped us to make that argument. So really similar to what Matt talked about. Well, thanks for sharing about those realities. So Matt, let's take the conversation back to pharmacy operations. You mentioned technician labor challenges, shortages. How do you go about meeting that challenge? Yeah, I mean, for us, just obviously looking at, obviously wages, we had to work on that with HR to make sure we were staying competitive. And then we also have kind of had to step up with HR, maybe some of our recruiting efforts, working with other departments. Maybe there's people that are already within the health system that we maybe could recruit that have maybe been looking for a career change. Um, luckily, we haven't had to really pull anyone back from units. Um, unfortunately, one thing that we've kind of had to do is with our medication history technicians. Uh, we, we generally have a service in our emergency room where technicians will gather those uh, med lists from patients, especially ones that are being admitted. Unfortunately, we've had to pull from that pool of people, and that's kind of caused some downstream effects, you know, that medication history is maybe not being gathered as appropriately as we'd like them to be. So obviously you know, that that's a hindrance to us and that's not something we're we're happy about but you got to do what you got to do to make sure that the the meds are getting out to the units. Okay, Dave, you also spoke about your robotic dispensing model. So let's drill down on that. What challenges were you facing and how did you develop your future roadmap? Yeah, Ken. So we're we're limited in what we can utilize our current robot for uh, both in terms of what it's capable of and also um, the speed at which it runs and, and what we ask it to do just for our car fill for both campuses. And so, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we've really gained what there was to gain from the robot many years ago. The technician issue from a labor standpoint, we, we've done a lot of things um, similar to what's Matt, what Matt has talked about. Um, but ultimately, all of that really hasn't led to, to any more staff. I mean, we talked everything from market adjustments and salaries to even starting our own technician training program, um, but really hasn't yielded any additional uh, candidates for us. And so one of the things that we're looking to do is how do we accomplish what we have to accomplish without having that resource available? And so something like adding the XR2, really where we made the case was our ability to gain efficiency in things like cabinet refill and utilizing automation more for first doses, stat doses, things that we are not able to do, and what that does from alleviating the need for uh, as much technician labor as it requires. The FTE resource that is part of the XR2 service is a really big sell for us. That has potential to significantly decrease the need for our involvement in the optimization and troubleshooting when there's issues that come up, um, but really the optimation, optimization is, is a huge part. And then also uh, the XR2's ability to dispense without having things repackaged is a huge deal for us. So, um, you know, we've got a lot of resources devoted to the packaging, to quality control of that, making sure that, you know, we've not packaged the, 
a thousand of the wrong thing in the wrong barcode and having that get out to the floor. And so um, being able to decrease the amount of labor that's needed for that, even in a tech check tech uh, type of process is gonna be something that, you know, is gonna help us utilize the staff that we do have uh, even better. And maybe it's not an issue of having 10 open per diem positions anymore because we're able to, to accomplish some of those things and not need those positions. So it's something we're really excited about. As Dave said, you know, being able to reduce packaging or reallocate those those folks, that's, that's kind of the hope here is that we can, you know, get them out to the units maybe um, and have them more ingrained, at least with the discharge team. So maybe we can pick up a lot of those prescriptions. Uh, there. We do have a med bed service that currently runs for our same-day surgery, but obviously if you're operating in a lot of turnover, that just makes it more difficult, you know, to continue servicing all those all those different programs. But, you know, obviously with the XR2, our hope again is to maybe be able to reallocate some of those resources so that we can expand these programs. So Matt, how can XR2 help meet some of the labor challenges that you've described? Well, I think for me, it's just, you know, allowing you know, having that FTE that's kind of devoted to the service, you know, reducing the amount of packaging that would be required to, to feed the machine, um, you know, having, having that in place allows us to maybe reallocate some of those resources. You know, we've already had to pull from our med history technicians downstairs. Obviously, we want to continue to have that. Um, having those accurate med lists gathered in the emergency room has huge downstream effects, so we don't want to continue to pull from that. Um, I think we want to continue to decentralize our pharmacy team out to the units. And that that might in future state involve, you know, maybe expanding on our meds to bed service. To really do a good meds to bed service, we would need to add a lot more FTEs. And right now that's just not feasible. So, you know, looking at that, how how can we reallocate that labor um, to, to get to what we want? Getting pharmacists a bit more involved from a decentralization model, allowing them to be out on the units so they're not, you know, back having to check so much product on, on a regular basis. Our robots, it is optimized, so there's not a whole lot more to do with it, but how can we continue to service our other locations? And maybe as, as we brought on Altman Alliance, really looking at XR2 and how will that allow us to gain some efficiencies there that maybe we didn't have before. Um, within the current locations, obviously we're doing a pretty good job of, of that efficiency, but, but we have more that we can we can get out of that. And then also that has some downstream effect as far as you know how they allocate their their resources for their programs as well at those campuses. So really getting to that system level, you know, type thinking where, you know, maybe Altman Hospital has all this, these services going on, but do we have those things universally across the system? So utilizing the automation better to allow us to, to make sure that the patient's having the same experience everywhere, no matter where they are within Altman. Yeah, I think Matt did a really good job of, of discussing what this can do from a labor standpoint for, for an organization. And ideally, I think for us, you know, we would not only like to take some of the pressure off uh, that we're dealing with with the open positions, but also um, you know, use the efficiencies that we gain to reallocate staff. I think what we're trying to do at this point is we're still in the mode of projecting, you know, what that means for us and how much we can go from the pressure cooker to some value added services. So I don't have a you know, really fine point I can put on that at this time, um, but that's actually one of the exciting things that, that lays ahead of us is trying to figure that out and, and utilize what we're gaining in efficiency to make those things happen. Well, thanks so much for those insights. 
Well, that's all the time we have for today. I want to thank our expert guests very much, Dave Young of Einstein Health Network and Matt Baldwin of Altman Health. And I'd like to thank you, our listening audience, for joining us today. For the Future of Pharmacy podcast and for OmniCell, I'm Ken Perez. Thanks for listening. This has been the Future of Pharmacy podcast, featuring the innovators transforming medication management. Until next time, don't get stuck in the clouds. The Future of Pharmacy podcast is brought to you by OmniCell. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.